Hey everybody, welcome back. This is going to be episode number 34 of the Tip of the Spear, Spear Leadership Podcast. This episode is going to be Vigilant Leadership. Today I have a very special guest with me, big fanboy moment. Been a big fan of this guy for a long time. I enjoy his uh, podcasts. You guys, I'm sure, have heard of him, seen him around. Uh, he is the founder of Firehouse Vigilance, Mr. Corley Moore. Chief, welcome. Thank you for having me, brother. I'm excited to be here. Love listening to Tip of the Sphere, and I'm excited to be a guest and uh, have a good conversation with you. Sounds great. Please give everybody just a quick background at Crash Course of who you are in case they may never, they've never heard of you. Uh, you know, maybe if yeah. people live under a rock. I'm kidding. Absolutely. Um, yeah, get, give us a nice introduction, and uh, we'll get going. Corley Moore, uh, Battalion Chief, Moore Fire Department. No relation. I have to tell people that. Uh, the uh, I am the luckiest person in the fire service. This is basically how I always introduce myself, because I get to have conversations with the most amazing people week in and week out when I host the weekly scrap. And I don't know uh, how I got to be so lucky, but I am. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing ride I've been on. So that's it in a nutshell. I'm a big fan of the weekly scrap. I think there's a, the one thing I like about your podcast, um, and if, you know, if anybody hasn't listened to it, we're going to add some links and stuff uh, in the episode description. Go, go take a listen. One of the things that I've noticed and why one of the big reasons I reach, reached out to you is it's very heavy on leadership. And the nice part about it is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, there's a lot of officers, there's a lot of chiefs, there's a lot of guys that are um, firefighters and all that. And it may not be, you know, every day leadership, 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 but there's always leadership coming out. There's always right. firefighters talking about directly and indirectly just how impactful leadership is at all levels. Um, how, you know, important it is to not be complacent and, and uh, how to stay vigilant. So, you know, that's something that I've noticed uh, through a lot of your podcasts. And, and I, I think that, you know, that's definitely something I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about was you're, you're a leadership guy. You know, oh, yeah. we, we talked a little bit before we started recording about um, complacency and, and how we're, how you fight those. Let's talk about that and, and kind of get into that. I know that's um, a very big topic for you. Oh, yeah. Something you're very passionate about. Let's let's talk about that. Uh, man, uh, well, you kind of touched on it there. We are, the scrap is the scrap, and I'll, I'll talk about whatever the guest comes on and wants to talk about, but it does focus, it tends to focus a lot on leadership. And one of the things me and you were discussing is, is the fact that you'll get messages every day for your podcast or just reaching out to you on social media about questions on leadership, questions on what's going on at my fire department, questions on how do I deal with this. And it's, it's, it's nonstop. And it's, it's, and the reason for that is because I think, and I'm painting with a very broad brush here, but uh, the fire service is very good at hard skills, generally speaking. Please understand when I say that. I don't mean we're, we're, we're golden. But we're going to go, when the tones drop, we're going to go handle the situation. Ready for it or not, prepared for it or not, we're going to go and handle it to the best of our abilities. We're good at hard skills. When the, like I said, when the tones drop and our backs are against the wall, we start taking care of business. What we're not really good at is the soft skills, the 95% the of the time in between waiting on those emergencies. And that is that leadership that we're talking about. So I'm trying to think of how to say this. So do you think, and this is, maybe this is off topic, but I've always learned and, and something I've always talked about, especially with some of the guys that I work with, um, pot of water, a pot of water boils from the bottom, right? No matter how you cut it, no matter how you slice it, you have to invest for people at the lowest level. And I'm not saying they're, you know, 
there's a different, there's no hierarchy, but at the low, at your most basic level, your most organic generic level is going to be your firefighter riding a fire engine and then riding an ambulance because that's just the reality. Everything else is pure support from that. It all anchors to the nozzleman, everyone else's support to make sure that nozzle gets to the fire. And then the ambulance is part of the crew and you guys together collectively provide calls for service. And you have to have a level of competency. You have to have a level of um, proficiency uh, to do those things. And I, I think you have to empower the people to do that. And you have to have the leadership to guide them, teach them, correct them if they need, if, if need be. But ultimately, those people that I'm talking about, they want you to lead. They want you to be the officer. They want, you know, everybody's worked with bad officers. Everybody's had really, really good officers. And something that I've done to try and, um, I guess, be the officer I always wish I had and be the officer or never be the officer I hated having. Right. Um, sometimes I may meet that mark. Sometimes I may not meet that mark. And, you know, it's, it's a never ending, it's a never ending cycle. Um, and I think, and this is something else we kind of talked about too, which I want to, I want to work into now as well as, um, not, as you said on your, one of your posts was nothing enhances your confidence as much as competence. Now, I mean, let's be real here. You don't have to know everything all the time. You can, this, this is just as an officer, as a leader, you can be absolutely terrified, but you got to have your normal face on, like your, your game face on. And, you know, you, it's a, being a leader, being an officer is just as much theater as it is uh, reality. But you have to have competence to back that up. You can't sit there and be stoic, right? And then turn around and have no idea what to do. I mean, yeah, yeah, you could stand there like, yeah, there's a lot going on. You're just ready to go, you know, but you have no clue what to do. Right. Or the flip side of that is you're absolutely, you know, stumbling over your words and you don't even know what to say or do and you still don't know what to do. So. Right. I like that post that you made. Um, so l let's talk about that a little bit. No, absolutely. Uh, I teach the nine L's. It's my flagship class. It's the one I go around and teach. And, and in a nutshell, without getting into the classes, it's basically empower your people, uh, take care of the firehouse, the fire ground, it'll take care of itself. Uh, that's, that's, that's a very uh, quick one sentence uh, description of it, like a six hour class. But yeah. the um, long story short of it is I started asking the question, is if someone took the nine L's, let's say, or any leadership system, and they were a complete buffoon, they were a clown, they were incompetent, they weren't good at the basics of the job, and they tried to implement that, could they build high-performance culture in their, in their station? And that started me down a rabbit hole, which is how my brain works, and I started saying, okay, there's obviously a hierarchy to this, and it's a hierarchy of competence. And basically, the, the class like the nine L's, or most leadership classes, or any sort of leadership philosophy is built on a foundation that you are competent at what you do. Uh, if you're not competent, then then you either have two options there. You you have to try and bluff yourself, bluff everyone, and we've all we've all worked for someone who tried to bluff their way through it, or you just have to admit that you don't know anything. That's your, I mean, that, there's really no other way through it. You either are good at what you do, or you're bluffing, and that's the only option. So there's a hierarchy of competence, and so it really made me dig in and say, well, what's underneath uh, competence? If there's something underneath just this high performance culture and incompetence is it, then what is under that? And that really started me down a deep dive of understanding uh, the philosophy of how to build the basics to build that competence. And when you have competence, then you have confidence. And it's not just self-confidence. It's not just confidence in what you're doing yourself. It's other people's confidence in the decisions you make. 
It's also like those, the superiors above you, their confidence in your ability when they give you a task, a job, or an assignment. And so everything kind of hinges on competence. And then underneath competence, again, without getting just deep into the weeds of another class, is, is humility. You have to possess humility because if you don't have humility, then you can't look in the mirror and see that you're, you're deficient in something. The only way to grow is to be able to be humble enough to say, I don't know. And if you can say, I don't know, then you can grow. But if you're arrogant, arrogance is the key to staying ignorant. And so that basically is the key to it all is humility. And then you can be competent. Competence leads to confidence. And confidence leads you to whatever system you want to implement to lead to high performance. Well, let me ask you this, and this is something that um, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. This isn't directed to anyone or any department of any kind, just so we're clear. Um, competence breeds confidence, right? We talked about that. Right. I think there's another side of that that everyone is, I think any officer and firefighter, well, actually mostly, actually everybody probably really, um, when you have the competence and then you're confident you'll be able to have the guts to challenge someone, right? Hey, go up there and go to that second floor and do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, no, that's not going to work. The fire's over there. This is why that's not going to work. This is a Cape Cod style house and you want to vent the top of the roof. No, the fire's in the knee walls. You have to vent the knee walls, right? Just because people are telling you to do something or you get orders on fire ground or whatever it is, I'm not saying be insubordinate. If you have competence, you know what you're doing. You'll have the confidence to be able to say that order is not going to work. This order is not currently working. We need to change our tactics. This fire is going to need X, Y, and Z, and this is how we're going to get there to put the fire out. We have to do it. And, and, yeah. and I think that's something that leadership books don't prepare you for. I don't really know of a lot of um, – people talking about that part of it. Cause there's a lot of that unwritten stuff that's going to happen to you as a, as a company officer that well, and even you're dig, not going to be yeah, able to get around. Digging into that example. Like for instance, uh, there's, there's a layer underneath it. If that's the first interaction you're having with this person on the fire ground, like hopefully you have the relationship with that person so that they have built up because of your competence. You know, it's not just about your confidence and challenging them. Hopefully you have a relationship with them where you're not challenging them. You're saying, brother, this is in the knee wall. And they're right. like, oh, you're right. You know, because it starts with the relationship and, and competence leads to respect. Sure. And, I, and without the respect, if you're just walking onto it now, I'm not, it depends on the size of your department. Obviously, you can't know everybody at certain departments. Sure. But uh, hopefully re respect is the key to a lot of things where it's not insubordination. Absolutely. And yeah, and then being able to have. Uh, and I'm not saying challenge like it's a problem. I, I mean, challenge where you're able to talk back and say, look, you know, yeah. hey, I got the order, you know, chief, command, whatever, whoever. I don't think that this is a Cape Cod style house. We need to vent the knee walls. And hopefully you have, as you said, you've proven yourself, you're consistent, you're competent and all that. You'll be able to have uh, that chief or whoever's in command or whoever gave you that order. Be like, oh, oh, crap. Yep. Yep. You're right. Go, you know, go do that, whatever. No, because I've worked whatever with the exact opposite, which is a person that has no respect, but a ton of competence. And all sure. they do, all they do is challenge and order every chance they get. Sure. And, and that's another whole ball of wax, you know, that's, if it's allowed to, and not dealt with uh, at the firehouse. 
and and I always always reference this. You you deal with most of your problems at the firehouse, and so they yep. don't manifest on the fire ground. Mm-hmm. And so, but I've dealt with the opposite, which is without the the key is respect, if, and that competence leads to respect based on relationships. So absolutely, yeah. And you don't want to be the loud one in the room either, right? You want when you say something like, "Hey, I don't think this is going to work," or "Hey, look at that," or "Did you see that? That needs attention." Well, they know you don't just chirp all the time. They know, oh, well, he took time to say something. I should probably listen to him. I think that's something that's very important as well as, you know, you, you want to be that guy. And, and you know, I mean, I like talking shit. I like oh, chucking absolutely. and jiving and all that. Absolutely. You know, it's fun, you know, fishtails on fires. Like, you know, it was like a, a mattress, but everybody asked, you know, hey, would you have, we had two rooms or, you oh, know, yeah. it, the, the fun banter is not what I'm talking about. Smoke down to our knees, just pumping out, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, like, absolutely. I don't know how we did it. Thank right. God. These guys are so heat. good. Otherwise, so much, yeah. yeah. So tough to push. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys <laughs> couldn't handle this fire. It's a good thing we were there. Like right. the fun stuff. Right. But what I'm saying is, but I mean, <clears throat> that's what I'm getting at is, um, you know, typically the quiet ones are the ones you, you might want to listen to when they really, you know, they really perk up and say something. No, it's um, a, it's a, that's a, that's a super valid point of, and I always, I always talk about the economy of words. Uh, there are, and, and I don't know why this is true. And again, this is a generation, gener, generality. So please roll with me if it isn't you, uh, sure. but the louder a person is, is usually the louder and the more they talk, it's usually overcoming a lack of competence. And hmm. and that's that's a generalization, but the louder a person is, the more they yell, and the more words they use, it's usually trying to make up for a lack of competence, which is a manifestation from their lack of competence. You know, the other thing I think with that as well, <clears throat> and the people that are good at that, I'm gonna try and think of how to say this. The people that are really good at that, you can see the difference of I mean, it's night and day of, yeah, they're just jet joking, effing around. And then like that subconscious, hey, we're in serious mode. And that person is, you know, very quiet, you know, says a few words here and there, doesn't really say a whole lot unless they really, really need to. But then you go back to the firehouse and they're, you know, busting balls and doing all that fun stuff as well. And that ties into the personnel thing is, you know, like that we talked about, the difficult part is in the firehouse, not so much on the fire ground. Oh, yeah. Um, And I had Ed Glassman on here. Uh, a while back and his thing was he's I'd rather deal with a hundred fires that are terrible that go bad and just are shitty fires than to deal with one personnel issue no doubt no doubt because ultimately that's that's what we're in my opinion the headaches are, are completely anchored to um you know and and a lot of it's going to be in the firehouse and you know one of the other points that we talked about earlier was you know you gotta you gotta back the talk with your walk um and that's kind of what we're talking about now is, you know, you can talk all the shit you want and, you know, run your mouth and all that. And it's fun and fine. But when, you know, it's, it's time to step up and do exactly what you said, you got to do it. Integrity of your, of your, uh, reputation, the integrity of your reputation, how, how accurate your reputation is to reality, you know, cause reputation is a touchy, touchy thing. It can be what people say about you, you know, and it has no basis in reality. And, and, uh, it's a, it's a tough one at times to deal with. And I've had a lot of good, uh, debates and, uh, discussions with like Dina Ali about the, how much relation, uh, re- reputation matters, but I really stopped using the term reputation and started saying the integrity of your reputation because Ultimately, it's how accurate 
your known reputation is towards the reality. And that, and that, that is the key right there. And that comes down to your walk. If you're not walking it, then it really doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want. We've all worked for somebody who said, do as I say, not as I do. Sure. We all work for the person that, that talks a good game. And then when, the, when the, when the smoke is chugging, man, they're having air pack issues, you know, and mass problems. Yeah. And so, and, and, and they, the only person they're fooling is themselves. They, they just, the, the reflection they see in the mirror is not accurate. And that comes down to that humility and it all ties back around. But absolutely. If you can't, if you can't back up your talk, then again, you're going to have no respect uh, from your peers, from your, from your subordinates, from your uh, superiors. And so when you do have an opinion, your lack of respect will lead to a lack of influence, which is really ultimately with no influence, you have no leadership. You ever have a mass problem on a fire? Like an actual Man, I'm problem? telling you this one time we actually rolled up. It was, it came in as a structure fire, but when we got there it was an RV out in front of the structure. It was, I don't know what the temperature was. Oklahoma doesn't get super, super cold, but it was below freezing and my bypass was stuck open. And so my bottle was just blowing the entire time. The entire time we're trying to push into this this little RV and uh, just to get water. We weren't trying to make a push into the RV, just enough to get the water on the fire. But the whole time it was just... Just held it. <laughs> you held it to your face. Yeah, it was just... So that was the only that I can think of. Other than that, man, um, no, never a mass problem other than the, the bypass day. that I, My bottle lasted about four minutes of just blowing. <laughs> Just That's blowing. Funny. That sucks. <laughs> I had one. I had one where uh, I was getting masked up. It was a very, very simple BS one line fire. I mean, it, it might have been a room. I, I don't really remember a ton. I, I remember it was very, very small. And uh, I went to get masked up and I pulled my bottom straps from my mask and the rivet ripped right out of the rubber. Right on. And the driver was running up, flaking the line. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go charge it. And I was like, give me your mask. And I was like, and I, I met, I remember because I knew my officer and he was going to absolutely murder me for taking so long. I knew I was going to get killed. And then when I came out, if I even, the words mask problem came out of my mouth without the mask problem in my hand, right. I was going to get destroyed. I'd never ride the ambulance or I'd never ride the fire truck again. They'd probably put me on the ambulance. I'd probably get transferred. Right. I was scared of this guy. I'll probably never tell him that. Right. Um, well, I just admitted it on the air, but whatever. He'll, he'll know who he is. And uh, I shoved my mask into the driver's stomach. I was like, give me your mask right now and put this in the driver's seat. Put it on, went, you know, did whatever, no big deal. And uh, he came out. Said, Here's the mask right here. He's like, I don't believe it. Okay. One time, <laughs> wasn't a big deal. Very low budget fire. Close to the firehouse. No one was close to us. Like, thank God it wasn't like a lot of the other areas that, um, that, that I, we have in the county and where I work. Um, where like it's literally everybody's right on top of each other everybody's maybe a mile or two three right. miles away from each other where there is no time like you turn the block and everyone like boom, they're all there so kind of funny um i think that was really it i had a boot fall off once walking through a door i, I, heard, I, just about, I heard about this one you were talking to eckert yeah Bobby. yeah i, heard, I was yeah. walking through and like i guess the door came shut or whatever something happened i forget what it was my foot got caught it came right off completely i i'm like man what the hell like i've Never experienced that before. First and only time. And it's like, oh, where, where were you? And I'm like, my boot fell off. Right. My officer. boot fell off. I can't. It takes me. I look like an idiot. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, well, your boot fell. And it was literally an air conditioning unit. I think it extended into the walls a little bit. I mean, right. plaster and lath. Or not plaster and lath. Uh, balloon frame 
Actually, I can say, the only other uh, air pack issue, uh, swapping stories, we were chasing an attic fire one time. We'd got a good hit at the initially where it extended into the attic. And so we went into, and it was a cold, it was again, it was, it was a wintertime fire. And it was me and Sully, Sullivan, uh, Sullivan, mm-hmm. hell of a firefighter. And I, he was on the nozzle, I was on a hook, and I was pulling ceiling, he was spraying water. And we were, we thought we had this thing knocked and then we went and pulled some ceiling in the living room and we realized it was rolling up there and we were, we were hooking and, and spraying and chasing. And, uh, it was a cold day. And I remember saying, man, we've been in here a minute. Uh, and solely I got to explain is, is super fit. Like he is super fit and I'm probably 15 years his senior and not, uh, compared to him, I'm not fit at all. And that day I remember thinking, man, my my low air alarm's not going off and we've been in here a while. I'm I'm hanging with Soli. This is badass. My my working out's been paying off, right? What I didn't realize is that my Viber alert on the back side, down on my bottle, down low, had frozen. And so when they actually yeah, it was it's the it's the survive air. It had frozen, it was not ringing. And uh weird. So we actually went to leave and I was like super proud because his his actually started dinging. And I was like, holy crap, I outlasted solely, which is an amazing thing. And I'm telling you, the minute we hit that front door and we were walking out. Sucked your face. It sucked to my face. Like, yeah. I was hoping you were going to say, yeah, man, I kept up with, and and then mid-sentence, it just sucked to your face. (laughs) That had been funny, too. No, I was getting ready to say, I can't believe we had to leave because of your bottle, uh, whenever mine sucked down to my face. So, Oh, man, that would have been a nice nice lesson in talking shit. Oh, yeah. yeah, Absolutely. And then you'd have to crack that sealer. He would just laugh at you and be like, yeah, chum, whatever. Right on. Um, So (laughs) while we're on this topic, um, something I kind of thought about while we were talking, um, you mentioned – uh, reputation. And it, I don't want to call it a buzz term, but you know, you hear people all the time, reputation is this, reputation is that, this, that, or the other. I think as a company officer specifically, or and just humanity in general, or being a person in general, if I listen to everything I heard about everyone, I would hate everyone, everybody would suck, and nobody sure. would be good at their jobs, right? There's been people where I walked in thinking it was going to be awesome, and it was horrible. Right. There is people I walked in, I worked, and I'm not talking about while I'm an officer. I'm just saying in my time, I walked in like not really looking forward to it. And some of them have been the most memorable times in my entire career and people that I'm friends with for life. Like there's, there's one person in particular and he may know who he is. He may not, but I'm sure he's going to call me and ask me because he's just that guy. I walked in, I didn't know a damn thing about the dude. Him and I clashed and now we're thick as thieves. Right on. Um, and it was a very pleasant, uh, pleasant surprise. So the point that I'm making is if I listen to other people about absolutely everything, I would get nowhere. Um, I would hate everybody. Everybody would suck, all this and all that. And, and what I learned was take every person with your interaction. Um, and then something I'm learning, and this ties into it that I've learned in my personal life is just because these two people don't get along and hate each other doesn't mean I can't be friends with either one or both. Right. I can't allow someone else's opinion of that person to turn me in any way. Right. I can't allow my loyalty and, and my um, job as an officer change because people tell me you're not good at what you do. Right. And I'm not saying that with anyone that I work with. I'm just saying that's a generalized statement. I just want to make sure that's very clear. Sure. Um, and where I'm going with that is your fire ground reputation, something you can't fake versus firehouse reputation slash banter. So people talking shit, I'm probably not going to listen to you, right? Um, you know, you talk crap about that guy. Yeah, I might laugh about it or might, I might kind of, um, again, depending on who you are, 
you know, hey, man, watch that guy, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. And you're a guy that talks shit about everybody. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to get tone deaf to you. And I'm just going to go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch out for him. Or if you're that guy that I know probably will only tell me something if it's legit. And you're like, hey, look, you should probably watch out for this, that, or the other. I'm going to I'm gonna pay attention. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, absolutely, the source matters. And again, uh, the relationships you have with those people, if you know the source and you know the person is a shit talker, a gossiper, a, a mudflinger, uh, then absolutely. They, they're, they're, they, again, it's the integrity of the reputation. They have the reputation of, I, I got to take everything he says with a grain of salt, period. Uh, I don't, you don't respect their opinion, plain and simple, because you've invested time into knowing that they're shit talkers. And I'm not yeah. meaning busting balls. I mean, busting balls is busting balls, busting chops, whatever you want to say. Sure. Uh, that's what it is. And, and, and the firehouse is going to have that. But then, and again, fire ground reputation, firehouse reputation, you, you hit on it beautifully when you said what people say about someone, that is not their reputation. You have to absolutely uh, make your own opinion of a person. And you can rely on other people's opinions based on your relationship and the respect you have for those opinions. Uh, but it, nothing replaces your own investment into a person. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing too is, and I actually, as much as I'm reluctantly going to admit this, I was not a great officer. I think when I started, um, and somebody took the time to come to me that I didn't not get along with them, but him and I probably were not on great terms. And he was just kind of like, look, man, you, you need to fix something. Like I never had, like I said, I never busted. I never, um, had issues with the guy. I've known him most of my career. Um, I always thought we were okay, like never any issues, but I didn't really consider it as, you know, um, somebody that was coming to me for a good reason, right? They're like, Hey dude, you, you kind of suck. Like you need to fix this shit. You're terrible. And he, he didn't, I wouldn't say he dragged me through the mud, but he was kind of like nonchalantly like, Hey, we need you to step this up because you're kind of dragging everything down. And that sucked. I mean, sure, I, don't, sure. I don't know if you've been in those shoes before, but it's terrible. Um, and instead of kind of like write me off or blow me off, like F that guy, whatever the, he took time to come to me and say, this is everything that's wrong. This is what you need to fix. This is how you're going to fix it. And I'm going to help you. And, you know, I run calls with this person and all that um, back then. And sure enough, what are you doing? What would you make that decision for? Hey, you know, this, that or the other. Like he, inve he invested time. And, you know, as the time went on, it was kind of, it sucked. Continuously getting called out. But it was always one-on-one. -on -one. He'd call me or he'd call me the next day, you know, because we work on the same shift. He'd call me the next day. Hey, dude, you, you kind of you need to step this up. Hey, just, you know, you're kind of the weak link in this chain of um, the battalion and we, we need you to step this up. You're an officer. It's, there's no, there's no excuse for this. Um, and I didn't have a great reputation and, and all that back then. And I mean, I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care, but like, I know why he was kind of being that way, but he never just said, F it. I'm not, I'm going to ignore him. No, he, he knew my reputation and he's like, well, I'm going to invest time and see where it goes. And I think it would turn out well. And him and I talk probably pretty close to three times a week. Work stuff, 
all the time. He's probably one of the first people I'm calling if there's an issue or I'm not sure what to do. I need to bounce something off of somebody. Uh, he's a line officer. He's not a chief officer. So he's, in my opinion, uh, we're peers. He outranks me, but we're peers. He's a captain. I'm a lieutenant. And yo, this is what's this is what I got. Boom, 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 boom. And I throw stuff off him all the time. But that's the point that I'm making is if he would have just wrote me off because of the firehouse reputation and not or banter and people talking shit or whatever and saying what they want to say. And he didn't take the time to invest and then start watching, right? Because there's pro- progress was made over time that spilled into the firehouse, spilled into on calls and things that I was screwing up. I'd be like, hey, I messed this up. And he'll be like, why don't you try X, Y, and Z? Well, that scenario played out again. And I remembered and I did it that way and we were successful. Kind of like what we talked about before with, um, uh, before we started recording with the, the mistake I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he took the time and, and, and us as company officers and as leaders, you know, the, the firehouse banter and just people talking crap, you have to cut through that. But I do th- still think there's a lot of value in how people react and how they do on calls, because that's where you're going to see the return on your investment and in, in your time. You will in the firehouse as well. I think, you know, if you have somebody that, needs to be shaped or molded and, and you're really working on it. And then you start seeing progress. That's fine. And that that's good. But what I'm getting at is, you know, I don't think I would be where I am now in a better, a much better place if somebody didn't take the time to invest in me. Now, I don't, I don't think I was talking in circles, but do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, yes. You had a mentor that invested in you, uh, took the time to invest in you. Uh, I don't even know if he knew he was a mentor at the time from the story you told. I don't think he did. That's right. But he did. He obviously, he took the time sure. to do it in private. He took the time to, uh, uh, obviously, it was important to him that you did well because he took the time to point it out. I don't know the motivations for that or anything from the story you told. Never uh, asked him, to be honest with so, you. But no. Uh, yeah. And it, and it was good. And that kind of, and that's kind of what I, I wanted to kind of get into as well. Have you ever heard somebody, and I, I'm, I know I hear this all the time, was he's a pain in the ass at work, but he's pretty damn, he's good on the fire ground or. He's a great firefighter. I can deal with the BS outside of the outside of it. I mean, I get it, but I feel like you could train yourself and others to be at that level that don't cause problems at the firehouse. No, no, it's not a it's not a, you know a I mean? zero sum game. It's not a zero it's not I hate the statement. Man, yeah, no, he's an asshole at the firehouse, but God, I'll take him on a fire any day because he's he's a monster on the fire ground. Fire ground's like two percent of what we do. Sure. And, and so, and there, it's, it's not an either or if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. And, sure. and I don't care how good you are on the fire ground. It doesn't give you an excuse to be an asshole. And I promise you this, if there's someone who's an asshole at the firehouse, it's because a company officer, a battalion chief, a district chief, or a fire chief isn't doing their job. Plain sure. and simple. They're sure. allowing that behavior to exist. So no, I hate that statement with a passion. I can tell. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> But no, it's it's something, and and again, like I said, it's you know how you hear things, right? Sure. Throughout work, through your time on, and and all that, and <clears throat> I think it's very interesting, and we and something else we talked about too, and why I brought that whole rant, little story up was, um, as you said, a person will never improve if they can't face the truth about themselves. I think that goes into a lot of things. Um, I think that goes into inside the firehouse stuff and, and, and on the fire ground stuff. And, um, you know, 
I think the most difficult thing you can do as an officer is to be able to put yourself out there when you make those mistakes and be able to understand, as you said, if somebody's acting like an asshole or being that way, if you're able to look yourself in the mirror and say, well, you know, I'm the reason, um, it's tough. It's, it's, it's not easy. And, and one thing that I've learned is, you know, when you start investing in the firehouse, that will spill over onto the fire ground because the trust is built back in the firehouse. Right. You know, there's, there's a lot of times where, you know, I had somebody that I worked with, um, where we didn't really click that well. We kind of butted heads a lot, but every time that person needed to step up when I needed them to step up, I could tell you 99% of the time they absolutely crushed it. Like there's a few times where I'm kind of nervous, like, mm, how's this? And I'm leaving the rank out. I'm sure, and you're a smart man and everybody else can kind of figure this out where I'm kind of looking at them because I need them to do something to step up and do their spot, do their part. And I'm like, man, I'm nervous. How's this going to go? And that person had a lot of quirks and all this other stuff, but they freaking knocked it out of the park every single time. And that's the important thing. They took care of you, you know, and, and when it was time to step up and be that, uh, be that officer, they were able to kill it. And they were great on the fire ground too. They weren't bad, but the important stuff is there. And and what I'm getting at is over time, as those scenarios came up again and again, and they kept stepping up to the plate every single time, I was able to trust them. I was able to say, hey, look, you know, you and I, we butt heads and that's okay because I know you're going to do your end of the deal. And, and it, I started finding myself saying, well, I really respect this person. I'm gaining a ton of respect for this person. Now, this kind of little quirky thing. Now I feel like I can say, Hey, dude, leave the guy's name out of it. I don't think you should handle that that way. This is kind of what I think you should do. And they started taking my advice. Oh, well, instead of, no, I'm not doing that. It came to, well, why do you think that? And it went from like a immediate shut off to, we talked for an hour about right. the situation. Right. That talks into that kind of goes back into what we were talking about before, where you're not bucking the system just to buck it and you're not challenging the system just to challenge. You're challenging or um, I don't want to call it, conf- I don't want to call it questioning, but you're um, adding information that the other person may not see to change the direction in which they want to head. I don't know if that's a, a good way to say that, but instead of just immediately blowing me off, they'll, they stop. Wait, well, why do you say that? Because you may be seeing something I don't, you you know what I mean? They don't get tone deaf to me. I don't get tone deaf to them. And that's very important because that's going to be, that's communication up and down the chain of command. And the reason why I bring all this up is a company officer at any level, a leader at any level, you're going to have this. This will happen. This is a real world scenario that will play out in your firehouse, on your fire engine, on your fire ground, where you have to listen to the people below you. You have to communicate with the people above you. And you have to be able to understand that they're going to have input. You want to build them up to be able and empower them to be able to have that input. Because um, on the fire ground, it's, we, I mean, you know this, you, you're a chief, battalion chief and, and everything. It's, it's not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. However, you have to give the input because that can drive decision-making strategies, ideologies, all those things. Um, and you have to be able to accept it. But at the end of the day, you have to make a call. You, you know what I mean? I know, I know I got a little off in the weeds on that one, but 
There's a lot there. Uh, no, a lot, absolutely. I know. Uh, I just brain no, dumped. I'm sorry. No, no, it's good. It's good. The fire ground is 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 a direct result of of the investment you put in at the firehouse. And if people don't feel comfortable giving you input at the firehouse, they're not going to feel comfortable giving you input at the fire ground. It's about building respect and relationships through that competence. Like you said, you you told the story of your officer who time and time again crushed it until you you had complete confidence in him. He built it through rep- through action. His, his competence, he earned your respect. Uh, and at first, you felt like you couldn't go and talk to him because it would be shut down immediately. But through time, you guys built a relationship where you could go and give him information. Now, I, again, yeah. I don't know his his personality or the, the initial interactions or anything like that. But if your people are afraid to speak to you as the leader, if they're afraid to give opinions, that's your, that's your problem. And you are, you are the problem. Uh, in fact, in life, in leadership, 99% of your problems are going to be solved in the mirror. If you take care of the mirror, the rest of the problems will take care of themselves. Generally speaking, there are exceptions and, mo- and people will bring up the exceptions. But no, absolutely. The, uh, if your people are afraid to speak up on a fire ground, it's because they're afraid to speak up on the, at the firehouse. And it's because you haven't cultivated and empowered them to let them know that their opinions matter. Plain and simple. You have to cultivate that relationship and they have to have the respect. You have to give them respect so that they show you the respect. Yeah. And I mean, silence can be deafening and silence can be because they're afraid to say something to you or the worst one, which I've experienced this is they just stop caring because they don't respect you. They don't want to follow you. And they're like, yo, oh, you want to go over there? All right, cool. Whatever, dude. Knowing you're going down a path of failure. Uh, I mean, obviously I would assume, but well, then, then again, that's what you get for assuming, but um they probably wouldn't let you take them somewhere that's going to get them hurt or killed, right? No, no, yeah, you'll, you'll keep, no, but they, you but, actually, if you do not listen to your people, if you do not empower them and, and value their opinions, the people that you're responsible for in any leadership position, if you don't value their opinions and give them an outlet to give you feedback, then eventually they, they will become frustrated. Your go-getters will shut down sure. and act, they will actually start working against your success. Yeah. Now, not to their own detriment, not not intentionally to their own detriment because when the leader sure. fails the whole team fails but not intentionally to their own detriment they won't they won't walk off a cliff just to make you wrong i mean some Correct. will actually but uh well some people cut off their nose to spite their face right no absolutely. And that's just reality there's people out there but you know and generally speaking they are driven to that by by poor leadership and management so sure. uh but no uh absolutely absolutely it's, it starts in the mirror yeah and you know there's been a lot of times this is kind of more firehouse stuff is <clears throat> or I've seen a lot on, on fire grounds and stuff like that in my travels on, you know, in my career. How many times do you think you've heard people say, well, I knew we, we shouldn't have done that, but I didn't say anything because that guy is X, Y, and Z. That guy's a whatever. This right. guy, you know, my favorite one is, well, he's an officer. He should know better. Right. Right. But why am I going to say anything? He's not going to listen to me anyway. Right. This guy's got X amount of time, you know, he's never done X, Y, and Z before. And now all of a sudden he's in charge and he doesn't know you're, he's an officer. You should know this. It's not my job to continuously correct you and tell you everything. No. And those are all symptoms. Those are all yeah. symptoms of, yeah. and that those are, those are late symptoms of very of, late. Yeah. Of people who do not feel empowered, who do not feel valued, who feel disrespected. And so it can be anything from a brand, like you said, a brand new officer who's never done anything. If you're a brand new officer, never done anything and you go into an experienced crew or just a crew. It's on you to earn their respect and build those relationships and, yeah. and empower them and so they feel valued, so they will speak to you. If you go in and start throwing your badge around like you're something because you have a badge, 
I promise you, they will look to make you unsuccessful. Yeah, they're not going to do anything to help you. No. You know, and there's, I think there's a big difference with, I'm trying to think of how to say this. <clears throat> if you're walking down a path of a decision, right? You're walking down a scenario, you're, you know, and you're going through it. I think there's people that will be hesitant to say something because they don't know the direction in which you're going and that they start saying something that might screw you up and they could be like what they think they should be telling you is wrong. Right. And they screw everything up. Right. No, no, no. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that don't want to say anything, which is okay. Like sure. if you're doing, I don't know, a, a good example, just a simple example is a running route from the station to a call. Right. And somebody may know a shortcut and they could throw that shortcut out there, but if they're wrong, we're screwed. Right. Whereas, or they could say, I don't see the map page. You could have yeah, a plan in your head yeah. with what you're seeing, which is why you're chain, why you're running route or whatever may be wrong or maybe out of the normal because you're doing a, you have a plan in place and you have to go the way you want to go because of your plan. And if I start chucking stuff up to you and that may screw it all up, that's okay. That's a good thing. And no, then you absolutely. talk about that after the call, right? Yeah, hey, humility, humility. Why'd you run it that way? When normally this is the way to run it. Hey, well, this is why I was looking at this. This was my plan. And it makes a lot of sense. Sure. Whereas there's some people that are like, oh, you can't go down that street. That's a dead end street. That's not going to work. This is a split hundred block. You have to do X, Y, and Z to get around to being the correct hundred block. And then they would just say, well, he should know that he's a map book. How many times you heard that? Again, uh, it's the, it's the, yeah, it's the human, um, it's, there's a dichotomy to everything. I mean, everything has, has a, has a price and, uh, the ability for people to speak up is directly retired, tied to the, the relationship that's been built by the leader with the people, uh, and the respect that they have for that leader, whether they have the confidence to speak up or not. Again, there's a dichotomy to humility. Humility is a great, great trait. In fact, I think it's the key to, to, uh, really empowering your people and growing as a leader is humility, but there's a dichotomy to it in the fact of because you're you have that humility, you're always having in the back of your brain. Maybe I'm not right on this. I need to get more information, and it will make you less decisive. And so there's a dichotomy to everything. Yeah, and you know the other thing too, and this is I mean I don't know how you feel about this. This is something that I've I've found um, I don't want to say I struggle with, but something that like I actually will have to stop and take a second or two to reiterate to myself is your confidence. And I'm not saying I'm not confident or I'm insecure. What I'm saying is, you know, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to go line over ladder through this balcony and do this. And somebody could go, Hey, I don't think that's going to work. Look at this, this, and this being able to have that confidence to go. No, thank you. We're doing this. This is the way it's going to work. And you're right. You know what I mean? Cause what you don't want is to take input or people saying different things in the firehouse on the fire ground, either, you know, whatever. And then you continuously change your path because, Oh, well, I got to be humble. I better listen. No, to no, them. you cannot abdicate like, your, your authority. You cannot, at the end of you the know day, what I mean? if, you're, if you're in charge. And again, that's why I make such a distinction between the firehouse and the fire ground and everything that I talk about, because the firehouse, you got all the time in the world to, sure. to adjust, make, adjust the sales, figure it out, empower your people, uh, have conversations, uh, on the fire ground. It, it, it really does fall into the chain of command and you have to be decisive. A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan later. And it's George Patton. Uh, but 100% the, uh, 
dichotomy of what you're saying, like the squirrel, uh, you have to be decisive. A squirrel running across the road, right? They get halfway across the road and then they, they decide to freeze and go backwards. And then they stop, freeze and go backwards, right? You have to make a choice. That squirrel made a choice. So it was just a really, really bad choice, right? Yeah. Freezing, freezing in the middle of the road. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. you have to make a good choice. You have to be decisive and make a good choice. And that comes back to your competence. Uh, but you have to be decisive. And you cannot be the squirrel back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on the fire ground. No, definitely. And, you know, the thing, what I've learned is, it, and you know this, I'm sure as well, indecision is a decision, right? You can be a bad officer from making, you're, you can be a good officer and still make not that great decisions, decisions that you think are going to work. They blow up in your face. They don't work. You learn from me and move on. But, you know, you can be a bad leader not because you won't make this, or you make bad decisions, because you won't make any decisions. Any dec- I think that's the worst decision you can make. Yeah, Period. indecision is a decision all on its own. The fires, personnel interaction, they all have a say in how the situation goes as well. It's not just what you think is going to happen. They have a say in everything, and you don't know what that say is going to be because you can't read minds, you can't predict the future. And typically, when you go to find, you go to put a fire out, you have to go find it or whatever, right? The fire always has a say. The call, the emergency, whatever it is, it always has a say. The human factor, absolutely, interacting with people, the community, all that. They all have a say. And you don't know any of it going in. So you, as you said, a uh, good plan acted now is better than violent plan. A violent plan act. Yeah. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. George Patton. Yes. Yes. The 80% solution, right? Well, yeah, and, and again, back to the squirrel. Back to the squirrel. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Sure. Boom. You, that, that ends in thump, thump, you're a bump. Uh, and plain and simple. On the fire ground, you mitigate your indecisiveness with competence, just being good at what you do. You have to locate the fire. So what's, what's good for that? Understanding your building construction, understanding your district, understanding how to read smoke, uh, sure. all of those things, you know, that plays with your people, knowing their capabilities, knowing their Absolutely. limits, knowing, knowing, knowing the knowing resources their, you got on the way, everything, man. And knowing how everyone meshes with how their weeks, their strengths and weaknesses meshes with each other, with you, who you have that day, every last that. bit of it. And the and more the you're thing, competent in that, the more decisive you can be and the more accurate your decisions will be the more closer yeah. you will get to that 80%. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you when you really tap into that capital and that that uh the capital of uh leadership and the 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 uh the eight, the 80% you just talked about. One thing I've always learned was even if I screwed it like royally screwed it up, if I said we are doing x y and z and we go do it, it gets done, right? And I'm wrong. You come back, "Hey guys, this could have been better. This is what I was doing. This is why." Even if you royally screw it up, and you had reasons like, hey, look, I thought the fire was in this room. This is why, you know, I was wrong. Whoa, well, all right. Well, LT, this is what I was seeing. And you guys start chucking and jiving and all that. And you're able to be humble enough to admit you're wrong. They would rather you make decisions, act on decisions, give them a game plan. And then at the end of the day, if it's wrong, it's wrong. As long as you don't consistently be wrong every single time. And then the next time that comes around, you're correct. You, you get more buy-in from that. You get more, you build that, that competence or the confidence from the guys that you lead on the fire ground because it all, it's, it's all going to go back to the fire ground at some point anyway. It's all going to translate over, I think, in my personal opinion. I've had a lot of success with, you know, yeah, you went down a path of a decision and you gave them the reasoning and it, just, it was just wrong. It's going to happen. You're just, you're just going to be wrong sometimes. It sucks. But – if you say, this is what I saw, this is what I did, this is why, and it all lines up and you executed, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, 
can't be perfect. You're gonna, just the way it is, you know. And you're only as good as you're only as good as your last fire, I think. And I know Bobby Eckert. I, he's probably I don't know if he's gonna listen to this or not, but his big thing was, you know, he didn't like that. He says you're you need to always prepare for your next fire. Right, preparation and, always, um, readiness. I think, and, and I think there's a balance to that as well. And, and the way it was explained to me was today's champ could be tomorrow's chump, right? And that's the point. You look great today, but if you turn around, and you go dump it tomorrow or you run another fire two hours later and you just absolutely shit the bed on it they're not gonna remember the good fire you had. they're gonna remember the shitty fire so i i think what i i think it's it's very important to make the point of you know as a leader have reasoning for making your decisions have experience that led you to those decisions train talk chat stay engaged don't go hiding in your corners in the firehouse playing on your phones all day all that crap Stay engaged with people and, you know, you're going to have your highs and your lows. They're going to have their highs and their lows. But I think it's, I think it's the payoff for it is much more, is more beneficial for your leadership in general because they're going to see your, the relatability of you make mistakes too. And they're going to build you up sometimes. You're going to do your best to build them up all the time and you, you feed off each other, you know? Absolutely. I think it's, I just think it's a, it's a give, it's a big give and take. It's kind of, and I've said this before in different episodes, it's a big, it's just like driving a, driving a manual car. You got to know when to hit the gas and when to push the clutch and when to take a back seat and just let your guys, let the guys be the guys, you, you know what I mean? And, and I don't know, man, I just think that there's a lot of people out there that mistake luck for skill and uh, rank for experience. You know, well stated. Well stated. It, it just, <laughs> it's just something that's kind of wild. Like, you know, you're the rank on your collar, but I know you've never pulled a handline and put a fire out. But you want me to now follow you into something that's going to be very hairy, right? People see that, and if you don't think they notice that, you're lying to yourself. I think. What do you think? Oh, absolutely, man. I, again, we've all worked for the, 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 the people that say, do as I say, not as I do. Uh, hopefully I'm never given an officer who's never been to a fire. I haven't had that experience personally. Uh, of course, there's a lot of organizations out there that don't have an option as far as, especially when you get to the volunteer services and, sure. and the, the promotions are based on different things than I'm actual really. experience. But, and I don't have much experience with that. So I'm, I'm speaking sure. from ignorance more than anything. But uh, the integrity of your reputation absolutely matters. Your competence absolutely matters. Uh, the best way to improve your decisiveness is to know what you're doing uh, so that you can be decisive when you're in that situation. And when you do that and you invest in your people, then they'll have confidence in your abilities and they'll feel confident in telling you, uh, giving you feedback. Sure. What do, you, um, what do you think is your most memorable moment since you've been an officer, whether you're a line officer, chief officer, doesn't matter. Where do you think you've had the most... Uh, impact on somebody um and uh let's say on the fire ground on the fire on the fire ground or i think the most impact i have on the fire ground is in the firehouse i I believe that with all my heart like it it all starts there it also actually the training ground is probably the best way to say it but it it is it is in the preparation it's in the readiness it's in the mindset because i i always tell people this i am the american fire service and i don't mean that in an arrogant way what i mean that is i don't work in job town you know, I don't work in, I don't make 200, 300, 400 fires a year. Um, 
I, I am, I'm like most of the American fire service. I ha- I make a majority of EMS calls and I, I don't have enough fire plain and simple. I love going to fires. Do not get me wrong. I love it's what I live for. I, I exist to go to fires, but we don't go to fires enough in the American fire service. So that's plain and simple what it is. So the rest of it is, is, is if you don't go to fires, then, then what do you, how do you get the mindset right so that you're ready to execute if you don't get, if you don't work at Jobtown? And so it is, it's all in preparation. It's all in mindset. It's all in your approach to the job. It's all in understanding brilliance in the basics, stretching hose lines, throwing ladders, forcing doors, and, and dedicating yourself to being excellent. So when your number is called, when you do get that, you do get that fire, you're ready to knock it out of the park. You're ready to crush. It. Sure. And that's, that's where you, go ahead. No, 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 please. That's where you have the most impact is getting, keeping young firefighters, especially engaged in this fire service, because what's happened over the last, and I'll go into a small diatribe here, but what's happened in the last 50 years is we've gone from a culture. And I love like Ray McCormick culture of extinguishment, man. We need a culture of extinguishment, not a culture of safety. But what I talk about is a culture of busyness. And for some reason, starting in like the 1980s and probably a little before then, we started having to justify our existence, uh, the American fire service. And we did it by busyness. How busy can we keep ourselves? And so we've been building a culture of busyness in the fire service when what we need to be building is a culture of readiness because our, we've lost our mission focus, which our mission focus is we go and rescue people that nobody else can rescue. We go and save lives that nobody else can save. That's our mission. And we've lost our focus on that mission over the last, I'd say, 40 to 50 years specifically as we've become justifying our existence through run numbers and BS band-aid calls that are destroying the morale and fabric of the American fire service and destroying our rigs. Uh, at an alarming rate. So anyway, uh, I absolutely believe those things. And it's all about a mindset of preparedness. It's a mindset of readiness. It's about saying, I don't know when my next fire will be. It could be in two months. It could be tonight where someone's life is in the balance and my preparation and readiness and my decisiveness is going to make a difference. Sure. And I think another thing too is relevance, right? And I'm not a, not an old guy, older guy but I'm getting older Um, and I'm just, I just don't care about the bullshit anymore. Like if we go to a fire, hell yeah. But if we don't, I can't change that. I can't wave a magic wand. You know what I mean? And I can't make fires happen. What I can do is every single day, stay engaged, do my best to have relevant training and relevant training is something that, I think it's reminisced, like, or it gets missed out on the the um, the meaning of it. And what I mean by that is, you know, oh, hey, we're we're at work today, and this just, you know, any firehouse USA, and we pull these three hand lines fifty times today. All right, well, you don't know your district, and you can't get there. Our host bed is immaculate; it's packed perfect. Okay, well, Detroit's are sloppy and they go to fires every single day and they do very well. Focus on the correct things, focus on relevant training. And and I think pulling hand lines is important when it's needed. I'm not saying don't do those things, but what I'm saying is you can be engaged throughout the day, whether you listen to calls, you talk about um, addresses as you go to them, if it's appropriate. I mean, obviously you don't want to stop at Gam Gam's house and she had just coded. Now you're talking about where the basement and how you don't do that. But 
when, you know, when it's appropriate, talk about addresses. Um, one of the things I like to do sometimes is we'll be put on a box or whatever. And then it's like, Hey, just go by the address anyway. Cause right. this is my plan for getting to the rear. I can't, I can't really tell from this map if that's going to work or not. I want to go look or, Hey, this address looks jacked up. Let's just go there. You know, I want to see which way this company came in. That's all relevant. That's staying engaged. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I think there's also where I work, there's no couches. We don't have recliners. We don't have a day room. There are rolly chairs that are not that great. And then some regular chairs in a training area. Nice. But what it does is everyone gets pushed together and, and everybody's engaged. We're talking fireman stuff. They look at articles. They kind of do their own stuff throughout the day, but everybody for the most part, I'd say probably 80% of the day, we're all together talking about something as calls come up that we hear come out. We'll talk about them. You know, some people, somebody will randomly bring up a scenario they heard, saw they're on overtime somewhere, listen to a box somewhere else. We'll all talk about that. But it's that way throughout the day on everything that's going up and down the road. We're talking about stuff back in the firehouse. We're talking about stuff. Engagement. Engagement is so important because I think a lot of the fire service as we're getting younger are doing a lot of different things. And I think the engagement is not there or they're training on stuff that'll never happen. Like there's a lot of stuff. I mean, it looks cool on Instagram and social media, all these weird, crazy things that they're doing to get the same job done. And, you know, we, we jumped five fences and we went line over ladder to do these different things. Well, yeah, I mean, that's good. And those are good skills, but you also could have just laid out a thousand feet and pulled 200 foot reconnect and not done any of that. All you had to do is lay out extra hose. And if you're out and about zipping around, looking at these areas, knowing your capabilities, you would know that. And you would have skipped that entire monstrosity, like the simple things. Um, and, and I think you see a lot of people looking, doing stuff that looks cool. But in the pinch, when those things really are going to happen, are you really going to do all those extra steps? Are you going to do the, the quickest thing to get it done the right way the first time? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I think relevant training is important. Because, again, like I said, I don't want to re keep repeating myself, but pulling dry hose lines to the firehouse, going to different addresses. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll be, it's good. I mean, you do need to do that. But I think there comes a point, and you know, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, there comes a point where – those basic skills, you will know if your guys are there. And then your job is to just sharpen that edge, right? You're not there to pound on the sword anymore. You're not there to beat it into a correct shape and get sharp. You're there to maintain it. You're not the blacksmith anymore. Now you're the swordsman and your job is just keep it sharp. Keep everything in the right direction, everything ready to go at a moment's notice. And when it's time to strike, kill it, execute. No, and, and again, it comes down to knowing your people, knowing their capabilities sure. and having those relationships still. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm a huge fan of Stanley McChrystal. Uh, and, and one of the things he said is, is what makes the special forces so special is their absolute execu execution of the basics. And if you've, if you're master of the basic, if you have mastery of the basics, if you're brilliant in the basics, you can execute the, those, those building blocks, the, the fundamentals. If you can execute the fundamentals, and absolutely, then you can. But most people just say, well, that's just, here's what you hear most of the time. It's like, why would I need to throw a ladder? I've done that a hundred times before. Why would I need to stretch our, our pre-connects? I've done that before. You know, and they haven't done it in 2023. Sure. And so that, it, it really comes down to knowing your people. If you, if you know that they're proficient at those things, then I, I can see that you could lay off of making, keeping it sharp. Uh, but I still believe that the, 
the key to high performance is absolute execution of the basics so that when you get in a hairy situation, the basics are off the table as far as a factor. Uh, they are not a, uh, they're not a factor. They, you can they're, adapt. Just, they're just executed and you're able to adapt and overcome yeah. that, at a much yeah, higher it, rate. It doesn't take up any of your decision-making bandwidth or your competence bandwidth to try and make uh, anything happen on the fire ground. Sure. And then it comes down to as simple as, I'm, you know, I know these guys know how to pull this hand line. I do this anyway. I'll go back and I'll look at them just to look. And it's not that I don't trust people. It's just we're on the same page. We are going here. To me, that's basic communication. Follow me this way. I want our line here. We're going there. Like simple, basic, short communications on our goal. I think that's very important as well. And, and it's just like a knife, a pocket knife, right? You don't have to sharpen it. But over time, if you don't, it can become dull. Every knife has to get sharpened at some point, regardless of how great it is. It could be a $10,000 butcher knife. I don't even know if butcher knives are ever $10,000, but you know what I mean. Right. Gordon Ramsay, the best chef in the world, still sharpens his knife just like I do in my kitchen. He just might have fancier stuff. But the point is, you always have to keep that sharp edge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think autonomy for your people is very good as long as they know the direction and the goal, whatever that goal is. But um, once you're on that page of, I know your, your abilities, you know my abilities, we trust each other from time over time and um, paying into that uh, capital of trust. Once that's there, I mean, that's when you get to that next level and, and, you know, you can start backing off and just letting them do whatever. Hey, this is what I need done. I don't care how you do it. Just get it done. And there's a flip side of that that I've experienced is people are talking about, you know, X, Y, and Z. They don't want you to go, I don't know. What do you think? They're, um, no, we're going to do this. We're going to do that or whatever it is. Still come in. We're making the, this is the decision. This is what we're doing. All right. You got it, LT. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it's powerful. Uh, one of the biggest epiphanies to me, I made company officer and I was assigned my first crew and I was very much about empowering my people. And it was a democracy, especially around the firehouse. We voted, you know, I mean, I don't want to say voted on everything, but around the firehouse pretty much. They got input. Was, yeah, input. Everybody got input. And for the circumstances with the, four months later, I got switched shifts to another shift. Uh, I was not happy about it because we were kicking along and clicking along and it was awesome. But uh, I got switched shifts. But one thing that happened there was I got to get a uh, exit interview with each of those firefighters. And, and it was awesome because the thing that surprised me the most was each one of them basically said, Hey, we want a leader that makes decisions, you know? And that was, that was eye opening to me because my whole deal was, I really wanted to empower my people and let them have a lot of input. And their feedback to me was, please make decisions, you know, and, and tell us what we're doing. And so it was, it was eye-opening as a young officer to, to get that feedback and understand that vision and, and providing clear direction is so, so, so important because most problems come stem from a lack of communication that stems from a lack of clear uh, vision and direction. Yeah. And, and, you know, the one thing I learned too is, and this, I don't want to get off topic on this, but to touch back a little bit on when you had uh, your exit interview, they wanted a leader, they want people to make decisions. In the fire department, career and volunteer, actually probably really just humanity and general personnel interaction, regardless of where you're at, um, you know, private industry, all that. 
I think if there's respect there, it's palpable, right? You will know it's very, I mean, this is my experience. They're not going to come to you and say, you're such a great Lieutenant. Thank God that you're here. You're a great captain. Thank God we have the best chief ever. Oh my, these are great. They'll never, ever tell them. They'll never, ever say that to you. But when they don't respect you, they won't follow you or they don't have trust in you. You can tell, you can cut that with a knife. It is palpable beyond palpable. Flip side of that is, I'm trying to think how to say this. When they will follow you, they trust you, they respect you because of your actions, what you're doing, and consistent, consistently delivering as an officer, as a person, as, a, as, a, as just a good human being, you will see them following you. I'm not really sure how to say that, but I think the best example I have was, I'm not going to get into the details, long story short, bunker pants on AFAs, right? Just throwing them on. Never said, you will do this, but never said it. Just did it. And over time, people started wearing bunker pants. I haven't said a word. And now all of a sudden, we're all getting all the bunker pants on. You know, and it was just, I want I don't really necessarily want to say leadership by example, but I feel like, you know, you can tell if they have respect for you. It's, it's very obvious whether they say it or not. And you having that exit interview is very interesting. I've never heard of that from the crew. That's very interesting. Yeah. And that can go really good, really bad. Oh yeah. Especially if you're not meeting that mark. And and you know, that's when you need to step up as just, you know, a human being in general and just freaking eat some humble pie and just Well bottom line, it. again, I'm a broken record, but if you have relationships, you can ask your people anything and they will be honest and candid with you if you have relationships and they respect you. Uh, you say palpable where you can cut it with a knife. Uh, what you're describing is a toxic atmosphere, a toxic environment, a toxic organization, and that is developed by the leader. They've, they've created that toxic atmosphere through their actions and their behavior. Sure. If people don't feel comfortable to speak and won't follow, they are living and existing in a toxic organization, and that is unhealthy mentally. Um, sure. And when people can't say you're doing a good job, chief, or you're doing a good job, lieutenant, again, that's a symptom of a toxic atmosphere. Uh, you you model that behavior by telling people they're doing a good job and saying it's okay to say when we're doing good and it's okay. You build the culture you want on purpose through the decisions that you make. And uh, and as far as bunker pants on automatic fire alarms, there's a standard, you know. And if that's not a standard, then I don't understand that. But that's not the point. If that's not a standard, if people don't meet that standard, then I, I have accountability. And that's my job as a leader to say, hey, if I see you step off the rig again without your pants on, whether they respect me or not, that's a standard. And sure. they're going to meet it. And if there's not, there's consequences until the standard is met and held. Uh, and that's just an example that you brought up. So I was bringing it up. It could be yeah. anything that is a standard. I was giving a brief, a brief sure, uh, sure. nonspecific example, I guess, was just an easy way, easier way no, to no, say absolutely. it. I, I wasn't trying to pick on just that one. No. but. Since no, we're still I, using the examples. You know how podcasts are and people listen, just to clarify. <laughs> right. Just to clarify. Um, but no, you're absolutely correct. And, and just to just to clear, clear up a little bit more as well, um, when I say people won't come to you and say you're a great lieutenant, they won't say, thank God you're here. They will express that through their actions. And that goes into, and this is the example that I always use, is personal power versus positional power, Right. You know, I mean, and you know this, you've been a company officer in the past where you'll say, you know, hey guys, this is the way I like to do things during the day. I want to knock out unit checks, uh, any chores for the day, like doing floors, cleaning a kitchen, whatever. I want to knock it all out in the morning. This is how I like to do it. 
then three o'clock it's your time whatever whatever your whatever your, plan your expectations for the day yeah so as once they realize that there's a difference in them doing it because you say you as the captain go do the floors okay captain and the difference in hey guys let's go knock this out captain usually likes floors now in the morning or an overtime guy comes in hey captain likes floors now in the morning we're going to do it this is how this is how we roll and they're all on the same page those are that's what i'm saying is those are the um, you can tell that they respect you or no, absolutely you know that, that kind of those kind of sm- that might be not a great example but there's small oh. things that you can pick up on where you can tell their their demeanor body language tone of voice um there's a really good book called uh left of bang yeah left of bang i don't know if you've heard that or not absolutely um i got turned I have on not read my- it. i have not read it it's been suggested to me so many times that it's on my God. list you got to do it. And that's where I get a lot of this from is body. Lang- you can't fake body language. You can try, but you can't. And what I'm getting at is you can tell from that book, obviously bang is the problem where it happens. Right. of bang is when you're reactive left. The bang is when you see it coming, you're proactive, all that. Right. A lot of what they do is it's, um, I wouldn't really call it special forces, but like uh, intelligence, I think is the right way to say it. And it's, um, assessment of body language with, interaction with people, interviews, all those kind of things. So you can tell if people are being deceptive, uh, disengaged, engaged, they're guarding, whatever it is. And what I learned from that was um, it's kind of like the bell curve thing. You want to stay ahead of the bell curve. So like you build that respect, that trust and all that, the way they're going to interact with you is much better as if, you know, now you're figuring out they don't trust you, don't like you, not like you, but they don't trust you. They don't respect you. And now you're trying to react to that. Um, it's a really good book if you haven't listened to it or if anyone else, I would read it. I think as an officer, it helps to help you kind of tell but you know, body language and interactions if there's a problem. Maybe I'm off might be a little bit of a rabbit hole in that one, but uh it's a really good book. So um, well, and I always people one of the biggest questions I get is I that here's the organizational standard. This is what people have to do each day. But I want to be here because this is my personal standard. You know what I'm saying? The difference between them. And I always tell people, man, if this is the organizational standard and your people are meeting it, there's nothing you can do. They are meeting the standard. They are a, they are a good firefighter according to your organization. Now, usually the, the, the organizational standard is pretty pissed off. I'll be honest with you. Usually it's, it, if, it's a, if it even exists. Minimums. So when I tell people that, I'm like, so now you're stuck with this problem of they're meeting the standard that they're supposed to meet to be employed at this place. And there's not a lot you can do organizationally, positionally to make anything happen. So what you're actually after is how do I get them to rise above the standard that's in place? And that comes down to, well, that's what the nine L's is all about, is building relationships, earning that respect so that they want to meet your standard instead of just, I always tell people you can order people to work out. And they can go in there and walk on the treadmill. Okay, look, chief, look, cap, I'm working out. You ordered me to work out, right? But you want them to work out. You want them to be physically fit. You want they, them to. You track. want them to want to do that. That's it. You want them to want to do it. And it's a uh, want to wash the dishes. Why would I want to wash the dishes, right? No, it, but it's because of the relationship and the respect. And so, sure. absolutely, it's how you get people to rise above the organizational standard or the positional standard or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And then once they start following you, you know, again, it, it can go right back to the fire ground as well. Positional power, personal power. This is a hairy situation. This isn't safe. I'm not following you. No LT. We're not doing that. That's not safe. This is why it's not safe. People pull that. They can pull that trigger. Or you could get the flip side of all that buy-in, all that work ahead of time. And man, this, this is really hairy. But I trust this guy. And if he says we're good, I'm gonna follow him. 
If he says we're good, then I'm good because I trust him. We've been here before. We've trained on this. We, you know, I know that he's good at what he does. I, they respect you from all your interactions beforehand, all that. And that's, again, that personal power versus positional power, especially on the fire round. Um, you know, there's, there's people that I've worked with as a firefighter and they were officers. I wouldn't question them. I mean, obviously I would stay alert. I would watch what's going on. If I had something no, to say, absolutely. I would say nothing, to them. Nothing, nothing erases personal accountability and personal safety, personal responsibility. Correct. And, you know, you could put the exact same scenario with two different guys, two different leaders. And there's a guy that I know I will not follow. That's not happening. And there's a guy that I, yep. If you say we're good, I trust you. And then ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, if he's right, great. If he's wrong, oh, well, what happened? Well, this happened. Okay. Well, we're still good. This scenario, this, you know, whatever f- happened. And, um, but there's people like, They'll follow you anywhere or they're not even going to follow you into water. Um, and you want to stay on the right, the correct side of that. But with the point that I'm making with that is, you know, there, there's guys that I would follow without question because of who they are. I, I know that guy and whatever, you, whatever you say, LT, I got you. All right, cool. You know, I'm going to follow you no matter what. And if you say it's no good, even though I think, even though I completely disagree with you because you said it's no good, I trust you. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm going to back off and do exactly what you tell me to do. There's a flip side, you know what I mean? That, that as we said Absolutely. before, there's a, the the, ba- the balance of that. Um, so we're right Solid. around that one hour and fifteen minute mark. Solid. Um, is there anything else? I mean, is, I don't want to say this is a good place to stop, but uh, before we wrap this up, is there anything that you uh, anything else we didn't talk about that you really want to get out there? I know you you mentioned your book a few times. Oh no, you're good, brother. You're um, solid. Good. All yep. Right. Well, I think this is going to be a good place to kind of end it um, or to wrap this up. Excuse me. Um, you know, I think this is a great, great discussion. I, I, you know, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time uh, there, Chief. Um, appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, do you have social media, a podcast or something where people can reach out to you, follow you? Do you have any of that? Firehousevigilance.com. Uh, you can find everything there. Uh, the Weekly Scrap is the podcast. Uh, it's a live show more than uh, it comes out as a podcast, but it's a live show. You can, you can chime, you can, you can watch it live and ask the guest questions live, which I will throw with them. And, uh, it really is what makes the podcast different from most is that you get to come on and ask questions and it really is a lot of fun. I love it. It's the weekly scrap. It's, it's weekly. So you can find it, uh, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, or I guess it's X now, uh, X. Yeah, firehousevigilance.com. You can find everything there. Excellent. And we'll add uh, links in descri- into the episode description for all of this below. Um, Chief, don't go anywhere real quick while I close this out. Everybody, thank you for coming back and listening again. Enjoy your day. Thank you for your time. Uh, before we go, please leave us a review. Leave us a like. Reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I don't have X. But uh, – <laughs> Please feel free to reach out. Uh, Leave us a review. Five stars are our favorite as it helps us grow our show and our community. Everybody, thank you for your time. we got more episodes in the coming weeks. And uh, tip of the spear leadership, be present, be yourself, be unstoppable. Thanks, guys. You have a great day.